0: Hello friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Apologies for being a little late this week. We had some hiccups behind the scenes, but we're here. We made it. Shout out to all you guys for still tuning in. I appreciate all of you. This week on the podcast, we have Cole from up north. Shout out to Cole. He owns Printhead. It's a printing company. He does merch for a lot of bands, especially a lot of bands up north. I'd be surprised if there's a band up there that isn't getting printed by Cole. He's definitely done a lot of cool stuff over time. I was really happy to be able to talk to him about his business. I'm super fascinated with that side of things when it comes to bands and their merch getting made. I'm still fascinated with it. I definitely talk about the old times at the company that I used to work for, but we also... Touch on *Spinebreaker*, *Gulch*, and some of the things that he's got his hands in. So I'm really happy that I was able to finally talk to him, and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. So without further ado, welcome Cole to the podcast. and we're live welcome to the podcast Cole
1: yeah thanks for having me man appreciate it
0: oh uh, yeah n- no it's my pleasure like I was telling you right before we started recording I've had a uh, couple people recommend that I get you on here so I'm really happy that we're finally able to do this
1: yeah definitely I'm, I'm so that's cool to hear that people want to hear me because usually people just want to hear Elliot <laughs> so That's cool. I,
0: you know it's funny as I'm um, he's actually coming on tomorrow
1: Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's
0: coming on tomorrow, but, you know, I like to uh, give shine to everybody. I just want to talk to people who I'm a fan of and that I I think, you know, uh, deserve a a little bit of shine and that I think are interesting.
1: Hell yeah, right on.
0: So one quick thing I want to talk about, uh, were you at the Halloween show last night?
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, I I was there. I played it with um, my... The other band that I played, Spybreaker. Oh, in that band.
0: wow. Uh, th- that totally so. I totally forgot that they did play that because <laughs> all, all I've been seeing today is just like all the um, Tsunami videos from last night.
1: Yeah, it's dude, so well deserved. Like, I mean, Spybreaker played and we've been around for a long time, obviously, but um, like last night was totally a night for like the new bands like Tsunami, Big Boy, Foghorn, Lead Dream. Um, you know, just like, just all the newer bands, it's like, and then Tony Molina is not new, but, um, so that's why I didn't mention him at first, but, um, but yeah, just all the new bands, man, they're just like Like I've never seen so many new bands get such a reaction for their first set. It was so cool.
0: And I was really surprised that, tsunami based off the videos had such a crazy reaction because it's fun to talk about it on Twitter and Instagram and stuff but to see people actually show up and be about it and go crazy I was definitely blown away with um, what I saw in those videos definitely yeah I mean
1: I, I was surprised and not surprised at the same time like I I knew that like Obviously, this was their first show, but just, like, the hype around them, like, I figured that people were going to roll out. And it was, so it sold out, like, really quick. And there were just people posted up outside, like, the door, like, in line, just waiting to get in in case if, like, some people left or whatever. They're, they're basically waiting for, like, you know, if we dipped below capacity again so that, you know, maybe a couple more people could come in or something like that. And so people waited like the whole night. They were just posted up there. And I'm not sure if any of them even got in.
0: And has that happened at that spot before? Because I just assumed that it was like so DIY that everybody would get in um, no matter what.
1: Yeah. um, I don't know if it's happened before. While I have played there, I don't think so. Not not when I've been playing there. Um, But I think and this is kind of speculation on my part. I'm not totally sure if this is the reason why, but I think part of the reason why maybe they didn't let everybody in is because there's, there was some issues with like the floor or something. Cause there's a basement under that floor. And I think there was, um, I don't know, something like it needed to be repaired, something with the floor. And so maybe they were concerned, like, you know, having too many people on the floor, like getting further damaged or something like that. I'm not sure if that's what, the issue was, but that's the only thing I can think of as to why they wouldn't let more people in.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, I guess it's smart to avoid like a cave in because imagine like having that many people in and it just randomly caving in during the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would have made it even more memorable, but yeah, but probably not very good.
0: I saw a couple costumes in the video, but I was kind of surprised that not a lot more people dressed up.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there was. I feel like there was a decent amount of people. Some people dressed up like at first and then they kind of like took their costumes like off or stripped it down or whatever. Like by the time Tsunami played, probably because it was stupid hot in there. It was crazy hot and it was just like, just dense. It was just like the air was like dense because everybody was just so sweaty. And there's like, you know, no open windows. And so it's just like, totally insulated and it's just it, like the humidity was like 3,000%. It was, just, it was fucked up.
0: And uh, do you know who the guy was that was wearing the, like the quote unquote Muay Thai outfit? He had the Muay Thai shorts on and some boxing gloves and a power trip shirt.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I actually don't know that guy. Um, I don't even think I recognize him, but there was a lot of people that I didn't recognize last night, which is pretty cool. Cause like normally when I go to San Jose shows, I, recognize most of the people because i've been going for a long time but there was a lot of people that i didn't even recognize from last night and i don't know if maybe it was like a lot of people's first show um and like due to the hype around the show there was a lot of new people coming out to see you know like they're like trying to see you know who the fuck is tsunami band or or whatever but but yeah there's a lot of people there that that i didn't recognize but that muay thai guy was funny man he was he was just like hitting people but in like good spirit it wasn't like he was just going to try and, you know, fuck people up. He was, everybody was having a good time. There wasn't any fights that I saw. I was in there for every day and I didn't see any fights happen, which was crazy because, it's like, people were just fucking swinging on each other, like, straight up, just not even, like, moshing, just straight up, just throwing punches, and there was just blood, like, everywhere. There was people, like, I don't know if you've seen the videos, but there's a lot of people bleeding in that, in that venue. Yeah,
0: so was, I, I definitely saw some yeah. people with, like, th- their face kind of bust up. and Yeah. I definitely like that people understood, okay, Tsunami's going to play. The pit's going to get crazy. If you're near the pit, you're going to get hit. If you're in the pit, you're definitely going to get hit. But I'm just happy right. that people understood that and there was no fights. And um, the people who got hit, they just took it all in good fun, like no beef. And um, the set was able to go through with no issues.
1: Yeah, no, there wasn't any issues with their set at all. Um, it was tight. I watched it from from behind the kit. Cause I was like, dude, I'm not trying to get hurt. Cause like, cause I'm self employed, and so like, if I get hurt and I can't work, I'm like completely fucked. So I'm trying to be a lot more careful lately and not hurt myself or get myself in situations where I'm going to get hurt or injured. It's not. It's not that like I'm afraid to like get hit at a show. I've gotten hit so many times, but it's like if I broke my fucking hand or if somebody else broke my hand or whatever, it would just. I, I would look back and be like, that was so fucking not worth it. That was stupid.
0: And, uh, just want to ask about Spinebreaker real quick. You guys played, and I know you guys haven't been super active. Um, as of late, did you guys get the itch? Are you guys going to get a little more busy? Cause I, I talked to Alex a couple of weeks ago and I was just curious about your perspective.
1: Yeah. Um, to be honest, man, I, I really, it's like not even my, like thing to decide what happens with that band. Um, I mean I've played in it since like the beginning but I'm not I've never been the one to like decide like what we're doing next like I don't write any of that music that's all Elliot he writes all of all of the guitar for that and um, so it's just like it's I don't want to say like it's just a band that I play in because that sounds like like a lame thing to say because it's more than that I mean I I do have like a stake in that band and I treat it like you know with importance um, but as far as like to give you an answer on like what is next for the band, I really have no idea. I just kind of go with whatever those guys decide on. Mostly, it's Alex and Ellie who decide on what's going to go on uh, with Spinebreaker, and I just kind of follow whatever their lead is. All
0: right, and then I guess I'll just have to save that question for tomorrow. But yeah, Ellie will have a good answer for you for sure. And you also play in the band Gulch.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's like the main band that that I play in
0: and I I feel like you guys just kind of um, had like a big like um, explosion with that uh, promo tape that you guys put out a, a couple months ago you guys played some awesome festivals you guys did like an East Coast run with hands of God and drain can you talk about what, what that experience was like
1: yeah it was all like crazy man like um, we got hit up to play this is hardcore like uh, six months before it happened um, I was actually, I was in the hospital with my wife. We had just had our baby and I got this email from, from Joe. And I was like, who the fuck is Joe McKay? And then I opened it up and I realized like that it was Joe hardcore. And I was like, Holy shit. Um, like, I think that they want us to play. And so, um, so obviously we said yes. And then, you know, we figured out flights and all that kind of stuff. And so between that and this is hardcore, we were like, well, we should come out with like, some some new stuff, you know, so we have something, you know, new that people can listen to, you know, before we play this fest. And so we've been working on a little bit of stuff and, um, and so we're like, well, well let's just do like a promo or something like that. And so we uh, hit up uh, our buddy Toshio who does recording at Panda Studios in Fremont and asked him if he had some time to record a promo. So we went into there, recorded those two tracks and then, uh, released it through the same label that had released our EP uh, Creator Destructor records. And uh, I was like really surprised at the reaction of that tape. I didn't like because I know promos have always been like something that I've seen from bands where I'm like, oh, that's cool, but it's it's not like a big deal. you know, I see it and I'm like, oh, that's cool, but like i'll I'll be more excited when the record is announced or whatever. So I was surprised at how many people really liked that promo and so it got me really excited for that and the whole band really excited for that um and then once we hit this is hardcore um or actually sorry let me back up like just a couple of weeks before we were gonna fly out to philly axe hit us up and they're like hey like you're gonna be in the area do you want to do a live session on axe and we we're like do this is fucking is this like real life because like me and a couple of the other dudes we listen to axe grind a lot and so it was crazy that they reached out to us and wanted us to play, like, on, you know, in their studio, and they were going to put on the podcast, and we're like, dude, this is wild. So then we go to this hardcore, Sunday rolls around, we play, like, got a surprisingly good reaction. I was I was really surprised by it, because we've never played on the East Coast, and, like, I just feel like our type of music isn't as big on the East Coast as it is on the West Coast. So that was really cool, and then after a set, just, like, there was a fucking line at our merch table, which was weird. And so like there was that. And then, and then actually calls us like, Hey, we're coming to pick you up. And they, they roll up in this fucking suburban and they pick us up and drive us up to, to, uh, fuck, what's the place called? Um, damn, I can't remember the name of it, but it's in New Jersey. It's beautiful. Um, so they take us there and it just, the whole thing was like this giant, like whirlwind of like stuff that I couldn't believe was happening to us. You know, I was like, dude, like, it was just like one thing after another. It's like, damn, like, wow, people really like this. Like we're getting all these cool, like offers thrown at us. Like it, it was just, it's, it's cool. We do kind of take it day by day, but like it's, it's, uh, it's been really cool the past, like six months. We've gotten a lot of cool shit, um, offered up to us.
0: So leading up to this is hardcore. Obviously you guys had the promo out and there was like a lot of hype behind you guys and I like that day and this happens every so often like when bands put out new stuff like it just gets like on this wave and it's just so popular that I can't escape it on social media whether it be on Twitter or Instagram. It's just like that day. I was like man, I I have seen this all day. I am definitely going to check it out and checked it out. Thought it was awesome, and I was just so curious because, like, leading up to you guys playing, this is hardcore. There was so much anticipation from kids on that side of the country wanting to see you guys. At any point, did you feel any pressure? Like, oh shit! Like, I hope like we play good, and I hope we, um, you know, live up to these expectations from these kids on the East Coast. Or did you guys just kind of go into it as just like a normal
1: set? Um, I can't speak for the other guys, but for me, it was the first time that I've ever been nervous to play a show ever. Um, I've never been nervous for any other thing, and we like we haven't been in a band that long. I mean, I have played in other bands before this band, but with goals, like we haven't been a band that long, and so we hadn't played that many big things yet. Um, we did play a show that was like sold out with Knocked Loose in Fresno, and um, that was like a pretty big show there was tons of people there and it was people that had probably never even heard of us. And so it was kind of one of those situations where it's like, are these like, are they going to like us? Are they going to hate us? Whatever. But I wasn't even nervous for that. I was just kind of like this, this can be fun or whatever. But for this is hardcore. I was, I was like nervous for that one for whatever reason, just because there were so many other like great bands like on, on the fest. And so I was like, dude, like this is kind of like a, like a proving ground right now for like, you know, who, who can like back, their shit up and who can't you know like because you know sometimes there's bands that like get hype and then you go to see them and they just they're not that great live um and so i just didn't want to have that experience where like we fuck up and people like damn like i thought this band was good but they kind of suck live yeah but luckily we played well
0: yeah, I, I remember that, that day of the fest. Um, after you guys played, there was just like a, a bunch of videos floating around on Twitter of, of you guys' sets from like a bunch of different angles, and it looked like kids were into it, and definitely sounded like you guys did a good job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it went I think it sounded well. I haven't heard like a lot of a lot of the set. Um, I'm kind of just waiting for the Hate Five Six video, and I'll listen back and see if it's as good as I thought it was. Hopefully, um, but I think we did pretty well. I think,
0: yeah, and honestly, I always forget that he's st- um hate five six still has sets from that fest that he's putting out.
1: Oh yeah, it takes a lot like, it takes a long time, and with reason. I mean, that dude like does so much work on those videos. I'm I'm not surprised that it takes you know sometimes months and months and months for a video to come out. Um, I mean, dude, just praise be to that guy. He does a lot, <laughs> a lot for like little recognition. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I I definitely appreciate uh, his work, Sonny, just because he's filmed so many awesome sets of shows that I couldn't attend. So the fact that I was able to just relive it through his videos, I I think is amazing. And shout out to everybody else that helps him with the different uh, camera angles and the mixing and mastering. uh, Hey, five, six and all those videos are just uh, super awesome.
1: Yeah, I love watching those videos, man. Like I've been watching them for a really long time. And it's like he just—he's really good at capturing like the like the energy of the show, you know. Just like yeah, the way he will just kind of quickly like you know pan around or you know get back to like the band and go back to the pit or like he'll you know see like oh there's like a crazy pileup happening over here, there's like a stage dive happening over here or whatever. I don't know. He just—he's really good at capturing everything, and it just it makes you feel like you're kind of there when you're watching these videos.
0: Yeah, he definitely has a good eye for it because he doesn't focus on, like, one area too long and he kind of gets that people want to see the band and the crowd, so he does a good uh, way of, like, balancing it all.
1: Definitely, yeah, and the audio helps too, that, like, it's all professionally mixed and shit, you know, instead of, like, having the shitty audio where everything's like clipped out and like all you hear is cymbals, you know, it like, yeah, it, it just takes it to the next level.
0: Yeah, and definitely like the the position that he's at too because sometimes like the speakers aren't even like, you know, like hitting his camera or his audio. So like, yeah. like definitely if he, if he didn't have it like, you know, the way that he does, like he would definitely be missing out on a lot of audio and we'd be getting like some crap stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm super
1: thankful for what he does and yeah, for whoever's listening, go fucking sign up for the $10 Patreon thing. It's like, that's so cheap. I mean, I know that it's a stretch for some people, but if you can afford 10 bucks a month to support that guy, like he deserves it. I mean, he pours so much money into this stuff. Um, So yeah, everybody in Gulch, we all signed up for like the Patreon thing to do the $10. Cause you know, now that he's like recorded our band, it's like, we feel like we should give back, you know,
0: Oh, yeah. And, and that's awesome because we're just uh, like, you know, I, I always think Hardcore is an awesome community. So the fact that you guys as a band were like, hey, like, let's collectively give it back to Sonny. Hey, five, six, I think is super great. And I'm sure he appreciates it as well because it enables him to do what he does for the community and able to do it well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: So. After or um, how long after this is hardcore? Did you guys get presented with that tour with Hands of God and
1: Drain? Uh, I don't really remember to be honest with you. Um, we had talked about doing that tour, um, a couple times before it actually happened. We're like, oh, we should go to the East Coast like together, and we were always like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's figure out some dates and. I don't know. We'd always kind of throw around some dates or some like times or, or whatever. And it just never came together. And I'm, I'm glad that it, that it didn't because when it finally did come together, I feel like it was the perfect time. So I, I don't really know when we had like solidified all of that. I think that we knew that we were coming back. Like when we were there for this Is hardcore though, I'm pretty sure that we knew that the, the tour was happening, but, um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure, but that tour was amazing. It was, it was so much fun. It was great to hang out with all those guys. I mean, I know, I know like everybody in all the bands, so it wasn't any weird like getting to know this person period, you know, like we all know each other. So it was just like a bunch of friends hanging out, you know, touring and just having a good time. It was awesome.
0: And at any point was there ever any discussion of making it a full U S and not just like, like an East coast thing?
1: No, um, we don't, I don't think we ever plan on doing a full U S because it's just like it, our jobs just don't allow for it. Like I run a screen printing shop and then Elliot is a full-time construction worker. Our bassist Tim is a roaster for Verve coffee. Um, our drummer, Sammy, he, he's a bartender. Like it just doesn't allow for it. Um, like as far as our work wouldn't allow it. And then our just financial, you know, where, where we're at financially wouldn't allow for either to take a month off to, to go tour and not make, you know, like any money for ourselves really besides like off of merch or whatever, but all the money, like we have a band fund, like all the money that we make from merch and from shows, it all just gets recycled back into paying for like flights and shit like that. Cause we've been flying a lot lately. And so, um, so yeah although you make money on the road it, it wouldn't be enough to cover what we would lose from not working at our jobs
0: okay that definitely makes sense i feel like nowadays it, it's uh makes more sense for bands to just do things regionally like you guys did just you know a couple times a year um hit like a certain region like you know a string of dates like four or five dates and just make the most of that and then fly home and then you guys don't really have to take the financial hit in your real life you know you don't really have to miss out on work and have to worry about how you're going to you know pay your bills or anything you just kind of get in and get out
1: yeah definitely like <clears throat> so we did like this is hardcore and that was on like East Coast, but it was just Philly and then so then we did the tour Which hit a lot of the East Coast states and then we're playing FYA in Florida and then we're playing a fest that's up in uh, Tacoma and then um, Since this is getting this this podcast is going up what tomorrow or something. Uh, this will be
0: up on uh, yeah
1: tomorrow Monday Okay, cool. So then I, I can say it on here. We're playing for the children Um, so we'll be down in, uh, you know, Long Beach. So we're hitting like a lot of different areas. It's just, we're not touring like through all these areas. We're just, we're going to them playing a one-off or whatever, and then coming back. But I'm really happy with everywhere that we're going, um, for the rest of this year. And then also in 2020, like all the things that we have going on, I'm very content with all that stuff. I don't, I don't feel the urge to do like a full U.S. Okay.
0: And (laughs) honestly I forgot you guys were playing FYA until you mentioned it and I'm actually flying out there for the first time for FYA and I'm super stoked to see the bands from California play out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're playing it. Um, grain is also playing it. So, um, yeah, it'll be sick. It'll be cool to meet you in person. That'll be tight.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, okay uh, i'll ask you off here i have some questions about for the children but i'll save it um for after the podcast but um that fest in tacoma i, I just uh, saw the flyer for that a couple weeks ago and I, I think it's pretty awesome that they're having something like that up there and i'm yeah yeah and it's just like you know after they lost uh Rainfest, uh, i i felt like that area up there just kind of like lost like a lot of steam like i feel like people kind of forgot that there was hardcore up there if that makes sense
1: yeah i feel it the people who are putting on this fest are actually um were involved in Rainfest as well so they're coming back to like book this and i don't know maybe some more stuff who knows
0: yeah and i i think that's awesome because um growing up and even like to this day, I, I I still think there's like some awesome bands that have come out of that area. And I, I feel like people should just uh, realize that that area is still awesome. There's bands going on right now that are up there, like lower species Odd man out still mm-hmm. doing amazing yep. things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gag is starting to do stuff again. Um, I wish that band ill intent was still doing shit. Cause I really like that band. I wish that they were playing the fest too. I was kind of bummed. I, I was hoping that they would be on it. And then when I saw the flyer, I was like, man, I really wish L intent would have been on there. Cause that band fucking that no masters, uh, like EP or whatever you want to call it was fucking incredible.
0: Yeah. I, I thought they were super sick. I remember that they, they did a, like a, it was like an agnostic front, like boot and like t-shirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They did a, I think they did an agnostic front cover. Um, fuck, I don't remember the song, but I think it, I don't know if it was on the EP or not, but I know that they did an agno- agnostic front cover because I know the, I'm pretty sure the singer is a skinhead, but uh, but yeah, they were, they were sick. They used to come through California like every once in a while back in like 2011, 10 and 11 or something like that. And um, so I'd see them when they'd come through here and it was always sick.
0: Okay. And uh, when you guys go to Tacoma, is that something you guys would drive to or are you guys going to fly up there as well?
1: we're flying up there. It's like, it's such a fucking haul like to drive up there. And we don't really have like, we'd have to take like multiple cars to like drive up there and like try and caravan up there. It's just like, I don't know. We would just rather fly. (laughs) So we're just going to fly and flights aren't too crazy expensive. So it's all good.
0: Yeah, for sure. Especially from where you guys are at to get up there. Yeah. I don't imagine it being that expensive.
1: Yeah, no, it's not, it's not bad
0: okay and I, I kind of want to take it back uh, just was curious about how you got into hardcore and how you ended up playing for Gulch
1: yeah um, fuck that's well okay I'll, I'll give you the super 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 short version so I hardcore shows in 2005 in San Jose um, when I was 13 and uh, I didn't know about hardcore and I didn't know any like hardcore bands it's just I found it through, um there's like a girl that I knew and her older sister's brother played in a band called Seize the Night from uh, from San Francisco and also a band called Shades of Eden that was partially from San Francisco and partially from San Jose. And so I went to my first show and uh, I was just hooked like from, from then on out. Like just when the band went on, just like all the feedback and shit, I was like, dude, this is fucking abrasive. And then, just like as soon as the band started and just like the pit opened up and everybody's like moshing and shit and I was like this fucking this is sick. Like I love this shit. And so I was going like every every show that was happening in San Jose, I was pretty much at um, from like, you know, two thousand five till fucking whenever shows there was there was like a really dry period in San Jose. But I was going to shows like as often as they were happening. And so um yeah, I just, I got really heavily into like the local scene. And then, um, you know, I met Elliot when I was like fucking 16 or 17 or something. And we started playing music together and we'd done a couple projects here and there and just kind of finding like our, our musical groove and shit like that. And then way later on down the line, Elliot and I lived together. And then, um, I started writing songs for a band that didn't have a name yet. Um, And I presented presented it to Ellie and I was like, yo, do you want to do vocals in this band? I'm just trying to do something like heavy, but with like a lot of punk influence, basically take like punk drum beats and play like metal riffs like over it. And then add some some more like punk stuff and maybe some more death metal stuff. But, But it ended up being Gulch. And so that's how that all started. And then we didn't have like, we didn't have like a drummer, we didn't have like anything. And then, you know, I met, I, was at a local show in Santa Cruz and I saw Sammy behind a kit which was weird because I'd never I knew he was a vocalist to Drain but like I'd never seen him play drums and you know so I was like curious I was like oh cool like this guy's behind the kit and so being a vocal or whatever and then he played the set and he fucking like ripped he was amazing and I had no idea that he played drums and so I hit him up and I was like yo like do you want to play in this project like you want to get together and I could show you these songs I've got and we can like see if you want to play in this He he's like yeah for sure so we got together and him and I just clicked like musically really quickly. And so he became the drummer and then I asked him, you know, who do you want to play bass. And he suggested Tim. And so, uh, you know, we showed Tim the songs and he was on board and, and then that's how he got into the band. And, um, and then actually, sorry, our, our other guitar player, Christian was already going to be playing it. So I forgot to mention that, but that's the five of us, me, Elliot, Christian, Tim, and Sam. Um, that's how gold's kind of started was with all that.
0: Okay. And you mentioned you were going to shows, uh, back in 2005. Uh, yeah. did you ever know a band from San Jose? They're called lose none.
1: I do. Yes, I do know that band. It's just like, there was not, it wasn't like div- divided or anything like that. It's just like there was two different like scenes kind of. So like lose none would have been the type of band to play with like hoods and like some of those types of bands, more of like the, I don't even know what the fuck to call it, man. I'll, I'll just call it Tough Guy Hardcore, just for lack of a better word. Okay. So there's was like Tough Guy hard, tough guy Hardcore stuff. And I guess I was listening to stuff that was more bordering like metalcore, I guess. Um, so I do know that band, but I don't remember ever seeing them. Because I think the shows that they were playing were probably ones that I wasn't really going to. Because I was, I was just never really into that sound at that time.
0: Okay because like when I look at uh, the the scene up there now bands like lead dream tsunami, like that stuff. Reminds me of Lose None, so I was like, "Man, I, I wonder if those guys ever listened to that band." Because uh, whenever they would come to Southern California, like I would catch them, like whenever I could, in Hoods, Lose None, on a Warpath, and yeah. I, I always just heard about the crazy stories about their shows um, up in San Jose. So I was just curious mm-hmm. if you ever got to catch them live, or if you ever even listened to them.
1: No, not really. I'm, I'm pretty sure Joseph, the vocalist of Tsunami, I'm pretty damn sure that he listened to them. Um, cause I think they were an East Bay band and Joseph is from the East Bay. So I feel like he probably listened to them back then. Um, but yeah, no, like I was saying, I, I kind of just went to like, I guess more of metalcore shows than, than hardcore shows but, okay. or, or whatever. I, I don't know, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I just call everything hardcore. You know, what I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, like it's such
0: a loose term these days. Yeah. So I definitely get what you're trying to say, but yeah, I definitely understand. So, um, it, it's fine. But um, you briefly mentioned that you uh, have your own screen printing, or excuse me, God, screen printing business.
1: Yeah, yeah, I run a, a shop called Printhead, and I print um, for a lot of the bands up here. Um, and then some of the bands down south. Like I've done a lot of stuff for Dare, and then uh, as of recently I've been doing stuff for Absence of Mind, um, and then I print like I print all the merch, I do all the Hands of God merch. I do all the Drain merch. And I do all the No Right merch. I do all the Lead Dream stuff. I do all the Tsunami stuff. Um, yeah, like all the North, like Northern California bands, I print for um, pretty much there's probably only a few that I don't print for.
0: Okay. Uh, And I've always been fascinated with, uh, screen printing. I used to work for a company down here in orange County that, uh, does screen printing. And I I just kind of wanted to ask you to talk about how you got into that.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't have like a, like super extensive background in it. It was, it was literally just like, I want to start a business. What should I do? And then I was like, hmm, well, I know a lot of bands and I was like, what do bands get? And I was like, okay, yeah, they get a lot of merch. And then I was like, well, who's there, who is like everybody printing merch with? And they're all printing merch with this other shop down in Southern California. And so I was like, well, if I start a shop in Northern California, maybe I could like get the Northern California bands to print with me instead of getting it from down South because it'd be more convenient to just get it from me because I'm local and so I went on YouTube and I just like started YouTubing stuff and surprisingly there's like a fucking ridiculous amount of videos on screen printing um, on YouTube it's like you could learn almost everything you need to know about screen printing from YouTube because that's like where I learned the majority of it and then the other part was learned just from experience just from doing it I've been doing it for four years full time Um, but but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. It was, it was really random. Like, I didn't know anything about screen printing before I got into it. I, I just wanted to start a business, and I just tried to figure out where there was a need, like, in the market. And I saw screen printing as, like, a thing that people needed and that I had, like, a, um, like a niche market for because of bands and because I play in bands. And so I was like, that might be a good idea. And it turned out to be a good idea because it's been my full-time job for four years.
0: And when you started to do screen printing, did you ever imagine that you would just quit working a quote unquote normal job and have that be your full-time gig?
1: That was the goal (laughs) the entire time. So like when I, when I started it, um, I had just moved back to California. I was living in, in Boise, Idaho for a year. And so I just moved back and my parents offered to let me like use their garage to try and start this business. Cause I told, I told them I want to start a business and they're like, well, if you want to use the garage, like you can like put your equipment there and like try it out there. And I was like, okay, cool. And well, that's, that's comforting. Cause then I'm not, you know, it's not like I went out and like got a shop and then got into a bunch of debt and tried to dig my way out of that. So, so I started off, you could start with that. Um, and I uh, I didn't want to get, like, a regular job or whatever because I didn't want to have the restrictions of the hours. So I was just like, I'm just going to go do DoorDash because it's, like, flexible and I can just do it whenever, whenever I'm not printing. I'll just do DoorDash. And so I signed up for DoorDash, and I literally only did it for, like, two weeks. And then I was so busy printing that I didn't have time for DoorDash anymore. And so I stopped doing that, and ever since then, I've been printing everyday fucking, like, eight to 12, sometimes 14 hours days, like since 2015.
0: And real quick, I, I want to ask you about Boise. And why did you go to Boise for a year? Dude, my
1: life is fucking random. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just like the screen printing thing, you know, it was, it was like a, a total random thing. The Boise thing was like a total random thing too. My wife and I were just like, let's like go move somewhere different. And so we li- literally just got on Google and we were like, uh, best places to live in America and like on all these different websites Boise just like kept coming up and we're like damn like we just did like reading on it and we're like this place sounds like really nice and so we flew out there to check it out and we liked it and so we just fucking packed our bags and got an apartment out there and lived out there for a year and she got a job as a teacher and I got a job at a coffee shop just being a barista and just fucking chill it was like the chillest place I've ever lived
0: did you ever go to any shows in Boise?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to a couple. Um, I I had moved there in the summer, and there was a tour coming through. Uh, it was Take a Fence and Turnstile, and so they they played at this venue called the Shredder, which is kind of like the more well one of the more well known ones there in Boise for hardcore. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go out to this show to kind of gauge like to kind of gauge this scene. Like if there's a show to go to, cause it was when Turnstile had just not just come out with Step to Rhythm, but like that was a the record they were, they were touring off of at the time. And so I was like, this would be like a good show to gauge like the amount of people that go to shows here. So I went to it and I swear to God, there was only like 40 or 50 people there. And I was like, Holy shit, this is a very small scene. Um, but I got to meet some cool people through it. So, It was tight and then so I just started going to shows with those guys and I got to see uh fuck. Drown and um Axis there and I saw uh how's another oh I saw Hounds of Hate. It was fucking random. They played in a coffee shop. They just like had an off day or something and they they came and played like this coffee shop and it was it was tight. That band's really fucking good. Um, and then I tried to start a few mus- music projects out there with a couple guys, and we did like we recorded and released some music just on like Bandcamp or whatever. Um, so I I, st- I still stayed active in like the scene and with music while I was out there.
0: That's awesome. Uh, did you ever know Devin from out there?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I still talk to Devin. I see him when he comes through here with um, with. Uh, uh, oh my god, we going for the clock. No, what what, what am I saying, <laughs> dude? I'm frivin i'm tripping right now i dude i'm I'm literally blanking on his current band yeah Oh rejection packed rejection packed oh my god dude Devin, i'm so sorry for (laughs) listening to this i'm i like totally drew a blank anyway um yeah when his band when his band has come through um you know I'll, i'll say what's up to him and stuff like that yeah, I know that guy.
0: Okay. Hell yeah. That's awesome. He's a friend of mine and he's definitely been on the podcast before. So whenever I hear Boise, he's like um, one of a few
1: people that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Boise is fucking, it's really small, man. Like there's like a few like key people in that scene. And so like, like Devin and Jason and Hunter and Chad are like the people that I think of when I think of Boise Hardcore.
0: Okay, that that's awesome. But I uh, want to get back to uh, your screen printing business. When you started um, in your parents' garage, were you doing it by hand, or did you have, like, a press?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I was doing everything by hand. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just, just me out there, I had a, a four-color, four-station, Raleigh Hopkins press, and my washout booth was, like, on the side of the fucking house, and so I'm, like, trying to, I'm trying to, like, wash out my screens after I've exposed them and it's like in the fucking sun and it's like the emulsions like starting to dry and like overexposed like while I'm trying to wash it out it was it was bad man like a lot of my first prints were fucking terrible but that being said I still see terrible prints like on on merch tables you know and like uh, from from shops like I'll see prints and I'm, I'm like where'd you guys get this done and they'll tell me I'm like dude, this is awful but I mean I don't say that to them in my mind I'm like dude this is this is like pretty bad.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. You you don't really want to try to start any beef or hurt anybody's feelings.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just yeah. like, damn, like, I guess I guess I wasn't that bad.
0: <laughs> and uh, uh, Back then, how would you do the drying process? Would you just like hang things out or, or just lay things out? Or did you have like a
1: dryer? I had a dryer. So like I, I found a, a screen printing package on Craigslist. It was like the press and it was a flash dryer and then a, a really small... Four foot conveyor dryer. Um, so I had like the full setup. Um, I found it from this dude that was like, he just like, he, he had bought this equipment because he wanted to do screen printing and then he got hired to be like the graphic designer for GoPro. And so he, he just fucking like sold this shit to me for super cheap. And so I, it was a huge come up. And, um, and so yeah, I just, um, I had like a, a really good setup. For for it being my first equipment, just because I got a really really good deal, and so luckily I was able to produce like pretty good work and solid work. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I'm getting over being sick. My voice is shot, but um, but yeah, like solid work with with the stuff that I had. So I was pretty lucky with that.
0: Yeah, man. I, I feel like you, it, it seems like you're almost just like destined to, to do this. Cause like so many things like have been g- like going right. Like when you started this, your parents let you be in the garage. You, you came upon this like awesome equipment for like super cheap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It all, it, all, it all just kind of worked out really well. And then, you know, I grew too big for it. So then I, I got my, uh, my own shop. I had a, like a little 800 square foot like shop in this place called Morgan Hill, which is like this little fucking farm town. that's like south of San Jose. And then I got through that one. And then now I'm in San Jose in a bigger shop.
0: And how long were you in your parents garage before you became too big for that? Uh, a year, I think. Oh, yeah, so, I think I was only there for a year. Okay. So things like seems like that's like not that long of a time for like a new business.
1: Yeah. Like it's been like pretty rapidly growing. Like every, every year I think I've like almost doubled in like uh volume that I do. Like every year I, I do like twice as much work.
0: And the spot that you're in in San Jose, how much uh, bigger is it than the spot in Morgan Hill? It's
1: like maybe like 500 square feet bigger, but I had to move to a bigger spot because I got, a, I got an automatic press. And so I needed to have like thirteen feet of like free space to be able to fit that thing in there. Um, so I don't I don't print my hand anymore. Everything is done with the auto press. I mean I still have to load the shirts and you know, register the screens and mix the ink and do all like prep everything in my hand, but the physical pulling of the squeegee is not with my hands anymore, which is great because I was starting to get fucking like just aching hands. I could barely play guitar because my fingers were shot. dude. It was was fucked up because I was printing so much for so long all day. And so it was, it was a a necessity to get an automatic press. Like I couldn't have kept doing that shit by hand. It would have killed me.
0: And when you upgraded to the automatic press at that point, did you already know how to use it or did you have to go back to YouTube and um, figure out how that thing was going to work?
1: Yeah, I basically started back at square one. It's like a totally different thing to be printing with an auto press than printing by hand. But the thing with an auto press is that there's not YouTube videos on that. There's tons of YouTube videos on printing manually because that's like DIY stuff and like brands like Ryanet and like shit like that. They're trying to get people. Up on like the fundamentals of screen printing, so they go out and buy like manual equipment. You know what I mean? Because like people, people who buy manual equipment are less likely to stick with it than somebody who invests in an auto press. And so there's more videos to keep people going with the with the manual stuff. You know what I mean? It's like oh, check out this video on how to do this and how to do that because they want to keep people interested, so they keep buying more manual equipment because it's less money and more people have the financial ability to buy manual equipment. So once you get into the auto world there's like no help because it's like I don't know it's like sink or swim shit like nobody wants to fucking help you there's like no YouTube videos like the manufacturer doesn't want to help you like other shops don't want to help you because you're competition so I had to just start back at square one and teach myself like everything all all over again
0: and so the shop that I was working at like I kind of watched us or watched the company grow. And I, I remember when we moved into the last spot that I was in before I quit, they had gotten like this huge um, like auto press. I think it was doing like 12 colors or something crazy. And yeah, just them installing it and seeing all these like weird, like, you know, um, compressors and all these like crazy pieces of equipment that I didn't even recognize. It just kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, I, I was like, I didn't realize that so much actually went into just running a machine that's going to be printing like these t-shirts. It was just like such a trip for me.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. It's like, it's a lot, man. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, ISS. It's like a, a screen printing trade show that happens every year in Long Beach but if you're into print, it's free. If you want, to, if you ever wanted to go to it, but it's at the convention center there, and it's fucking sick. Like there's so much equipment there, so many manufacturers. It's like it's so badass. Like if you're even like slightly into printing, I would suggest registering for it. If you register early, it's free. If you just walk up to it, it will cost you money. But if you register early, like like right now, you could probably register. It, it happens in January. Um, and it would be free if you registered right now, probably, but it's fucking badass. Like, it's really cool. And I highly recommend it to anybody who's into printing or even just like clothing. Cause they like all of the the blank manufacturers are there. And so I'll go and I'll check out like all the new blanks from like, uh, you know, Gildan or, or like Hanes or, or whatever or comfort colors, um, and kind of see like what is going to be coming out and kind of anticipate that and figure out like what I think. Uh, like bands would like, you know, because bands have like very, you know, bands have like very specific Types of garments that they like, you know, they're like yeah. a little bit big No, yeah, I, so I, d- I kind of try and find Something that would cater to them.
0: Yeah, I I definitely get that the company that, that I worked for the, they had a bunch of uh, these australian bands signed to the um to the roster and they told the company, they're like, hey, like, you have to print our shirts on AS Color because our fans don't want to buy anything that's on, like, Toltex or Gildan or AllStyle. Yeah. It has to be on AS Color. They're not going to buy it, so please don't print our stuff on
1: anything <clears throat> but that. Yeah, because that's an Australian brand. That brand's sick. I actually like a lot of their stuff.
0: Yeah, they I the, uh, used to um, get, like, these awesome, like, shorts from AS Color, and I'd o- always grab a couple pairs from the warehouse, just, like, the blanks yeah, before they printed on, on those. them.
1: Oh really? I use those for a drain and I use them for dare. Yeah. Oh, so sick. Yeah. Great brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I use their, uh, I use the AS color rugby's for the golds rugby, the, the latest one that we did. Um, that's what I used for, for that. And it's tight. I love this, that brand.
0: Okay. And, uh, so I don't own like a gold shirt. Like what brand do you guys prefer to print on?
1: Um, I print a lot of shit on Gilded Hammer just because uh, it's like heavyweight, but it's also like ringspin cotton, so it's softer and shit, and it's got good printing service. And I know that people like it um, more than. Because if I print on like regular Gilded, people are gonna be like, what the fuck? Like, everybody, everybody hates Gilded for whatever fucking reason. I don't know why. I love it. Like, even the regular shit. But, um, but yeah, so I just wanted to. Use a continue to use like a heavy shirt, but also something that's kind of inexpensive, so I can keep the price down, you know, low enough or whatever. Um, so yeah, I print on Gildan Hammer a lot. Sometimes I'll print on Comfort Colors, but I do a lot of discharge printing, which can be affected by like the shirt itself. And so Comfort Colors is kind of a bitch to print on because it's like pigment dyed, and those pigments can really shift like the color of like the ink. And so I try to avoid it if I can, but um, I know a lot of people fuck with comfort colors, so, um, I do end up printing on that a lot.
0: Okay. What's the like weirdest pers- or piece of merch you've printed? Fuck.
1: Uh, weirdest piece of merch. I don't know. I don't think I have a weirdest one. The funniest one, fun. Yeah. Probably the funniest one is one, the tsunami shirt. The or no, not Tsunami, I'm sorry. I keep thinking it's Tsunami because it's that fucking same energy as Tsunami, but it's for it's for that new band, Big Boy, that's from San Jose. They just played their their first show at that Tsunami show last night, but um, the front is this like, graph design that just says Big Boy, and then on the back, it's just a giant fucking impact font. It just says, I went to your hood and no one knew you. And oh. it's so fucking, and <laughs> it's just got like a gun. It's just got like, a gun pointed like, you see the hand pointing this revolver at you and it just says, I went to your hood and no one knew you. And I think that shit is so fucking funny.
0: That, that's pretty funny. You know, I actually saw that on Twitter the other day. I had no idea that you printed it, but I should have been surprised because it's yeah. yeah, the big ways from up there.
1: Yeah. I love that design. That design is hilarious to me.
0: So uh, this is kind of a throwback. Um, I don't know if you remember, but back in 2015 you printed some shirts for a band called Folsom from Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, dude, that was out of nowhere. I don't know anybody in that band. I don't even know how they heard of me. But yeah, I did. I did those in my garage, in my parents' garage.
0: Damn. That's crazy. I I want to say that was probably for their show that they played at the Gilman that year. It was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because, and you know what's funny is um, that show at the Gilman, that was Nuns' quote-unquote uh, final show because they were breaking up. Mm, okay. I didn't know that. Damn. That's crazy. So somebody, somebody randomly got in contact with you and they're like, Hey, like we need you to do some shirts for Folsom.
1: Yeah, it was, it was some girl. I don't know if she was just rolling with the band or if it was a girlfriend or something, but I, maybe she heard of me through uh, this guy Mark who plays in this band from around here called Mastiff. Um, if you've ever heard of that band, they're from like the East Bay, but, but he might've recommended me at that time, possibly, but yeah, I was like, I was really surprised when, when I got hit up to do that merch, and I was kind of stoked. Like, I wasn't really into that band when they were like more active, but it was just cool that like a band from that was like one of the first bands from like out of the area, that wanted me to do their merch, and so it was it was a cool feeling.
0: oh yeah, that's sick. And now that you've grown into this new space in San Jose, do you employ any people or is it just, well, one man
1: job? It's pretty much just me. Um, one or two days a week, I'll have Sammy from drain and from the drummer of Gulch. Uh, I'll have him come and work with me and you know, I, I just pay him by the hour uh, for the day or whatever. And he'll just come and work with me and he'll like, reclaim my screens or like mix my inks or stack my shirts or catch my shirts or box my shirts or, or burn screens or, or do do whatever. I've been just kind of slowly teaching him how to do stuff cause, um, he has no experience in it. And, um, it's been really chill. I love working with him every day that he comes is a good day cause we get a ton of stuff done and we're just chilling and like, talking music or whatever. And we got our fucking tie spot that we go to, to lunch, like every time that he's over and it's super chill. And I love working with that guy. Um, and even though he has no experience, it's like the best because it's like more about being able to work with a person than their skill level to me. Um, I'd rather work with somebody that I can spend eight hours a day with than have somebody who's really experienced in screen printing. And I just do not click with them, you know?
0: Yeah, I I definitely get that because spending your your personal, or not personal, well, spending just time with him, it's a pretty big deal, so it definitely eases things if you guys get along.
1: Yeah, definitely, and he's, he's so easy to get along with, chillest dude.
0: Yeah, I, I remember so, um, where I used to work at um, before I quit, we were in like this giant space that kind of got like, um, like one side of the warehouse was uh, for like all the online stuff, so that's like where we kept all like the stock and where we would pack orders and stuff. And then on the other side is the printing side, and they were always slammed with like you know bands on tour that needed merch or pre-orders that were coming up or like local businesses, so sometimes they would need help. And sometimes they would send me to go catch shirts that were, you know, just coming out of the dryer. And sometimes like they were just sending out like, you know, thousands of pieces. And I was like freaking out because like my fingertips were getting burned because things were just so hot and coming at like such yeah. a fast pace. And like, I was uh, it was just it wasn't fun just because. And also it was really hot being next to the dryer. So I was just like constantly sweating and just feeling gross the whole yep. time.
1: Yeah, I interned at a shop for a while and basically all I did was catch shirts and clean screen like for like a month and a half. I was doing, I was just catching shirts and cleaning screens for like eight hours a day and it, it was fucking terrible. I would never want to do that to somebody to have like somebody just do those two tasks like and that's their job. That'd be fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, it was definitely pretty rough. Uh, did you intern just to kind of get some experience and knowledge um, for the job or were you actually trying to work at the shop?
1: Um, it was just to get experience and knowledge. Um, it was a shop that was just kind of, they had just opened and it was in San Jose. And, um, so I, I asked them if I could intern there and they're like, yeah, for sure. I was like, okay, cool. Like you guys don't have to pay me just like, like hit me with some knowledge, you know, just like teach me some stuff, you know, here and there and I'll do that. I mean, I'll obviously be working and stuff, but like, just show me something, you know, every, every, every day, just show me something new. Like, Oh yeah, for sure. But then it came around and they never showed me anything. And I was there for a month, like working for free and they didn't show me shit. And so I was like, and then they, they were like, yo, like we want to hire you. And I was like, um, well, I'm here anyway. So, okay. So then they hired me and I worked for like couple weeks and they still weren't showing me anything even though I I was constantly asking them, like, can you please, like, show me something today? Can you show me, like, how to coat screens? Can you show me how you burn screens? Can you show me how you, how you register a job? Like, whatever. They weren't showing me shit, and so I was just like, all right, dude, like, I'm sorry, guys, but I just, I'm not getting what I want out of this experience, so I'm out of here. And then I just, at that point, I was like, okay, now, like, I have to learn this on my own. Like, I have to do it. And so I just fucking dove in, and, read I just did tons of reading and YouTube videos and Just taught myself everything that I know
0: and at any point have you ever just kind of felt like relief like after doing like a job or you know getting to the new spot in San Jose I get do you like feel uh, Accomplished or are you still striving to just grow and just still learn more about what you're doing?
1: Um, I feel like I I still want to grow. I definitely want to grow more this year. Um, And try and and do the same things i've been doing like try and double my volume again but um but no i still feel like accomplished in like what i've done so far for sure like i've come such a long way and i try to not be too hard on myself because i like i i deal with a lot of issues like every day with printing it's like there's so many variables and you're constantly fighting the variables with every single job there's no like standard process. You know what I mean? It's like, everything is different because it's it's a different garment. It's a different type of art. It's a different ink. It's like everything's different. So you're you're constantly battling things and I I come across a lot of issues and then I start to feel like, damn, like, do I not know what I'm doing? Like, do I suck? Like what is wrong with me? But then I talk to other shops and they deal with the same exact issues and they've been doing this a lot longer than I have. And then it makes me feel better. Um, so, yeah, I feel good with, like, where I'm at. Like, I've gotten to do a lot of cool shit, work with a lot of cool bands, um, like, some bigger bands. Like, I did shit for Tomb Mold, and I did shit for Power Trip, and I've done stuff for, like, Death Threat. Um, those are, like, probably some of the bigger ones. I did some stuff for Levi's. Uh I'm trying to think of who else is big that I've done shit for. Stanford College. Um, so, yeah, I feel good with, like, where where I'm at.
0: Yeah. And and, uh, you talking about like, you know, you having like, you know running into like so many different like issues when I worked at like the company that I used to work for and dude, there was issues like all the time. Like I I can't think of a a time when like one job like went smoothly, like if it like, yeah, there's always something wrong, like somebody grabbed like the wrong garments or there is, you know, my piece is missing or, uh, the color's yeah. wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, don't get too hard on yourself about that. Cause like, yeah, things do happen. And honestly, it seems like, you know, based off the people that I've talked to and like the stuff that I've seen, like, it seems like you do a really good job.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I mean, I, I've tried to do the best job I can. And like, it's all like, for me, it's all about like the print, like I'm trying to do like the best prints possible. You know, I want to have like the best prints, like in hardcore, but I don't know if I'm going to get there by myself at least, but, uh, but that's what I strive for. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bring like more like water-based ink and shit into hardcore, which is probably not something that anybody even asked for, but it's something that I think is cool because most, most bands print with like plastic cell ink that more like plastic you feel, you know, the thicker ink and stuff yeah. that will like, after you wash it like, you know, Correct. 25 times it starts to like crack. Yeah, yeah. So that I try to not use that stuff, but I know that's, what people expect and sometimes that's even what people want and sometimes people ask me to print with that specifically but i'm trying to like introduce water-based and discharge inks to like the hardcore scene because it's been in the death metal scene for like fucking forever like any old death metal shirt is printed with discharge ink and that's what i use like a lot and so i'm trying to bring that into hardcore but i don't know if people are taking on to it or if they give a shit or if they even notice it
0: I'm being honest, I don't know the difference between the two. Can you kind of explain that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'll keep it short because right. for anyone who doesn't give a shit about, about printing, this is going to be really boring. But so, plastic salt ink is like what normally what bands use uh, with their printing. It's like that plasticky ink that we were just talking about. And so, it's basically liquid plastic. And so, it will crack like over time with heat and shit like that. Um, discharge ink is specifically for dark shirts and, um, it's a water-based ink. So it's a like thinner ink. And so it sits into the fibers and it actually, there's like a chemical reaction that happens where it discharges or bleaches out the color of the shirt and replaces it with whatever color you're printing. And so if I was using red discharge ink on a black shirt, the chemical reaction is going to happen in the dryer through heat. And it's going to, like the the conveyor dryer in my shop, not like the dryer that you use at your home. But when it goes to the dryer, um, the heat causes a chemical reaction to happen where it discharges out the black of the shirt and bleaches it out. And then it allows the red pigment to show through. And so your end result is basically you can't even feel the print because it's actually dyed into the fibers of the shirt. And so it can't crack. It will never crack. Um, And it won't like flake off or anything crazy like that. And so it leaves like a super soft feel. The only thing is that it's just not as vibrant as plastisol. but that kind of shit's not crazy important to me. I don't know how important that is to other people. Um, it's not like it's like a total bland looking color or anything. It's just not as bright, you know, because it's not like that shiny plastic look. So I like it. I don't know. No one's ever saying anything to me to where they're don't like how this looks or anything. So I can only assume that people like it or don't care. So, yeah
0: have you ever ran into the situation where you printed with a discharge ink and um, the bands just kind of hit you up and like, Hey, like, why does this feel different?
1: Um, I've had people like, I, I had one where I printed some, some shirts for somebody who was discharging and they sent me a picture of them like pulling at the shirt and showing that the print was in their eyes cracking. But I was like, nah, dude, it's not, it's not cracking. It's like, you're pulling the threads apart and the print is the threads. So if you pull the threads apart, yeah, it's going to look like the, the print is splitting, but then let go of the shirt. And when it retracts back to its regular state, it's going to be solid again. And they're like, Oh, like, okay, I get it now. But other than that, nah, nobody's ever, nobody's ever complained. And I don't know if that's because I mean, I can just, I can be positive and assume that's because no one's ever been unhappy. But honestly, I feel like even if somebody was unhappy, they probably wouldn't even tell me.
0: Interesting. Well, I'm happy you broke that down because I I honestly feel like that's like the, the move because I hate having to be like super cautious about my shirts and like fearing the day that they crack because like, like, yeah. I buy shirts because I think they're cool and I'm like such a weirdo. Like I'll have new shirts that I just won't wear for the longest time because I just know that they're kind of like on like this weird clock. Like if I wear it and then yeah. it gets smelly, I have to wash it. Then like, okay, it's like closer to cracking. And then like um, I'm the type of person if like the prints cracking or faded, it looks like ugly, like I won't want to wear it. Like I know some people kind of like dig the vintage look, the used look, but I'm just not into that. Yeah. So. Um, with discharge, it seems like, yeah, it'll never crack. So like, that's like something that, that I would want.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I like it. I mean, I just, that's why I just prefer to print with. I think it's funner to print with. It's a, it is a fucking pain to print with. I can tell you that much printing with water-based ink, It makes me want to fucking run out into traffic like most days, but I would rather be printing with it than plastisol just because i like printing with it more um so i don't know hopefully bands catch on to it i'm i'm hoping so at least with like the gulch merch like all the gulch merch hands of god merch drain merch is all water-based and discharge inks. and so hopefully people notice it maybe and they're like oh this is kind of cool and then see where it was printed or ask where who printed it or whatever you know and then find out about me and maybe print through me because I use that kind of ink. I don't know. That's, that'd be
0: cool. And do you ever brand your stuff with like your own like
1: neck tags or anything, or you just kind of leave it like all normal? Not for my, not for print head, not for this shop. Um, I do that with the Gulch stuff. Like I, I put like sewn labels and shit on all the Gulch merch. Um, or I'll print the tags on all of the Gulch shirts. Like I'll do custom like screen printed tags that say like Gulch and the size and it will say like, like burning desire to draw last breath or some shit. But Awesome. No, not, not with the shop, but I actually, that's one of my pushes for like 2020 is I'm going to start, um, asking bands if I can do that with their merch, just, you know, basically being like hey, like at no extra cost to you, can I just put like printed by print head or whatever, like, like, you know, printed into your neck label. Um, and if they're cool with it, then that's tight because then whenever somebody buys a shirt, if they like the shirt, then they'll see the tag and know that you know i made it or whatever um and that's probably like the cheapest advertising i could probably do and probably the most effective one
0: yeah i i think that's awesome because i feel like uh you know say like x band is on tour that got a shirt by you that has a neck label You know people notice that stuff because obviously people want to check to see that they got the right size Um, Yeah, and people definitely look there and especially if you have like something special like that um, Kids will definitely be drawn to you uh, um, Print head because like okay cool. He he printed this awesome shirt. Like what else has he done? Like I want more cool stuff by him because it's quality stuff
1: Yeah, that's what I hope that'd be tight. I would love that man. I love doing band merch like recently I've been doing like 90% band merch um, and the other 10% is just like, you know, whatever else comes through the door, but it's been cool to do band stuff. Cause that's why I got into this in the first place. And I love printing band merch. It's like my favorite thing to do.
0: Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Cause like, I, I remember working in the warehouse and not going to lie, like 95% of the bands that they worked with were, uh, trash in my opinion, but every yeah. now and then like they would get like, uh, like a new band that I was already into like on the roster or maybe it would just be like a one-off, like, Hey, like we want to do some stuff for you. Like, let's, let's try something. And it'd be just like, like a random cool piece from a band that I would like and it would definitely get me stoked on it. And like just the, the feeling of seeing like the band that I like get something cool done at the shop that I worked out, was always a good feeling. And obviously like I'd always get it early. Um, it, it was pretty cool. So I, I can kind of imagine. Yeah. You get like, first, first dibs on it. Yeah, so I can kind of imagine like the feeling that you have for printing for bands that you like
1: Yeah, it's it's tight man. Like I get to print for a lot of my friends, which is really it's really cool And I like being able to do that with them Um, And but it's even cooler like when a band that I don't know at all like hits me up And that's always like a really cool feeling to know that, you know, they wanted to print with me
0: and outside of bands, do you do stuff for like local businesses or just like other like random projects that people have? Cause like we used to do like YouTubers and like random like vloggers and stuff.
1: Yeah, I'll do. Yeah. There's just like a lot of random shit, like random sports teams, random schools, random, like, uh, fucking dude. I, I don't even know. Clothing brands, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's like a, a mix of like a lot of different shit.
0: That's cool, hell yeah! And do you do it, any kind of like advertising for PrintHead,
1: or is it all just like word of mouth at this point? It's all word of mouth, pretty much. I have an Instagram for PrintHead, but I don't even like promote it really. I just started to promote it like a, a little bit from my Twitter, um, but I barely even talk about it like on my on my Twitter that I print, you know, because like I feel like if I start, I don't know if I take my personal Twitter and I start posting about my business and like advertising, I just, I feel like it's like a bad, uh, like a bad look to be like, you like check out my company and like spend money with me or like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't like it. Um, I like to keep my personal Instagram. I mean, I like to keep my personal stuff, my personal social media, personal and my business, social media business. I don't like to mix the two.
0: Man, I feel like I cursed myself from the beginning (laughs) because I had this idea like, hey, I'm just not going to try to sell people on some uh, brand name that I'm trying to build up like I'm just going to have it be like my name just have me be the brand and granted like i don't yeah. do any like cheesy stuff on like my twitter or, or instagram like i'll do a podcast post and just talk about it the day that it comes out and like that's it because i definitely understand what you're saying like i don't want to be some cheesy salesman trying to get people to listen to the podcast or go buy my my merch it's just like dude if mm-hmm. you're into it cool like you, you know where it's at but it's like i'm not going to do anything extra like outside of that yeah no
1: i feel it yeah Definitely, it's it's good to like. It's better when people just kind of organically like come to you for stuff. I feel like it's a more solid like relationship between you and and like your customer or your client or wherever you want to call it is like when they just kind of organically find you.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And I honestly, I, I'm really happy that we we're able to get this done because I, you know, DM'd you on. Instagram and I didn't hear from you for a couple days and then your um, DMs aren't open on Twitter So I was like man, this guy is kind of hard to get a hold of if you don't know him personally So I'm happy that you're I'm able to finally get back to me and we were able to get this done
1: Yeah, definitely man. I mean, I, I didn't even know that my DMs were open. So actually I ter- I didn't know that you could Do that I'm I'm fucking like illiterate when it comes to Twitter besides just like posting a, a post I don't know how to do any of the setting I didn't even know that, that was set that way, so I actually changed it. So now people can DM me on there and oh. send me hate mail or whatever. <laughs> um, so, so I did change that now because you brought that to my attention. Okay,
0: no, okay, awesome, yeah. Because um, the way Twitter used to work, it was like you had to follow each other to be able to DM each other. But now it's like, yeah, you can have it just open for everybody or closed and just have it the old way.
1: Okay, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now I know. Whatever.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um,
1: before we go, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Oh, dude, man, that's that's rough. I don't know. I mean, I could I could plug like a bunch of bands, but I'm sure everybody already listens to them. But I'll just name a few, like Hands of God, obviously Drain. Those are like my like my homies, my brothers, tsunami, fucking Shrinebreaker, which I play in that band, so that's kinda lame to shout it out. But uh I don't know man, um, obviously we talk about 856, everybody support 856, support this podcast, support Axe to Grind, support your scene, fucking support your venues, don't fucking fight at your venues, that shit's dumb, take that shit down the street, otherwise you're gonna get your venue shut down, and you're not gonna have a scene anymore, um, I don't know, That's that's pretty much it, I don't have much else to plug honestly.
0: Tell people where they can get a hold of you if they want to do some business with PrintHead.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, email is printheadteam at gmail dot com. You can find me on Instagram. This is PrintHead. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Symmetrical instead of Symmetrical. It's Uh Besides that, fuck. I don't know. You'll find me somehow but those are the main ways to get in touch. All
0: right. Well, there you guys have it. This has been another episode of the Jamie or podcast. Always on top.